This is Asking for a Friend with Kion Wolf. I'm Kion Wolf. Asking for a Friend is a monthly advice show taped at CT Improv's Underground Comedy Theater in downtown Hartford, Connecticut. There are three problems considered in each show, and each round is judged by three audience members sitting in front. The panelists with the most points at the end of the night wins a loofah. The loofah of truth. Why a loofah? Because it's a cheap prize and it's a ridiculous word and you really should change your loofah once a month. So I'm just doing my part. You're about to hear a problem from our October 2017 show. And our panelists were Bulong Ramis Hall, CT Improv's Ali Rivera, and Josh Mictum. One more thing. This is not professional advice. These panelists were chosen because they're smart and curious and excited about getting philosophical and deep. If you think you've got something to add, stay tuned. Because after the program, I'll tell you all the ways you can put your two or ten or all your cents in. Okay, here's this episode's problem. And you should know there may be profanity and direct references to adult themes. Which is why you're here in the first place. But, you know, disclaimers. All right, here we go. The problem is this. My boss thinks reverse racism is a real thing. (laughs) Bulong. (laughs) it's not next question (laughs) i'm just kidding yeah it depends on if i mean do you feel like you need to address this with your boss like are you working in an environment where like their opinion about reverse racism impacts you in a real way Um, is it safe for you to address it do you have some resources what are the identities of your boss because there are some articles that you can maybe share and maybe have some like community dialogue about like the article you shared and maybe come to an understanding as a you know be like strategic but a little manipulative in the way you approach Um, but reverse racism is not real Um, racism is systemic Right, and so people can be prejudiced or be discriminatory, um, but racism is is a is a power structure system, um, and so um, yeah, definitely if you feel comfortable sharing that. But if it just bothers you and there's not safety in, in sharing that, then I'm is it worth it? You know, I don't know. Allie. I uh, agree and will echo the fact that reverse racism is not a thing. But I feel like this question, there's so many uh, questions about what the relationship is in that office space. If you feel as though saying something would, you know, could potentially get you fired and you're not in an economic place where that would be, uh, you know, livable for you, um, of course you need to make sure that, that you are taking care of your own self. If you are in a space where you have the opportunity to have that dialogue and shut that down, then I think that you have a responsibility to do that. If you feel as though you're in a space where you can openly say that is, uh, you know, reverse racism is not a thing, here's why here are some scholarly articles like you said if you have that ability to do that i think it's your responsibility too but you need to you know make sure that you're going to be able to put food on your table as well Mm -hmm. josh unionize unionize i mean this is it's actually a simple question because the reverse racism part is the obvious stupid part the hard part is the my boss part right my boss exists and has power over my life capitalism yes that's it do you think that this problem is different if you're white or you identify as white or if you are not white? Yes. yes. <laughs> Go on. I think that, you know, it is your responsibility if you are 
white and have and there's safety in that right and so like if your boss is white and you are white they might hear you in a different way than if like a young person of color is just like reverse racism is not real and let me tell you why and they're like oh you're just liberal propaganda agenda whatever i try to disrupt this in my daily life but i think there is power in like white people checking other white people and knowing that white folks hear hear like feedback from white people very differently than they do from people of color. So I do think the the question changes when you add identity to it. Mm-hmm. I absolutely agree. And that's, um, you know, speaking as a rather privileged white person, that's why I say it is my responsibility to be able to, uh, if necessary, amplify voices of people who are not um, being heard, even though they should be. It's unfortunate that I would have to be feel as though I'm a bridge to let someone else hear that. Um, but until we you know, reach the day where I don't need to be, it's my responsibility to do that. There are very few problems where when you ask, is this di- in this country, when you ask, is this different if you're white or not white? <laughs> I'm gonna probably ask that for any of our previous and following questions, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. It is, uh, always is. Well, what I'm curious too about is, all right, so this is something that's happening in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Is it more important that you speak to someone in power at your workplace as opposed to if this conversation is overheard in line at McDonald's, mm-hmm. at the farmer's market? Is there something about the workplace that makes this different? If you have a full-time, like, nine-to-five job, right, that you're in for years, we spend most of our life at work, right, with the people that we work with, in community with them, in relationship with them. And so I think that thinking about that long term, you know, like I spend more time with my colleagues than I do with my husband, right? And so I would want my colleagues to be in relationship with me where we can have um, conversations about things that might be challenging, that might be difficult, um, where I can feel like I'm seen and heard and valued um, and respected as a person in the world. And so, yeah, I think it does change. You know, if I'm in line at McDonald's and there's a stranger talking about reverse racism, I'm like, I don't really care. I'm not in community with you, you know? And so I can address it or not. Um, but with my colleagues, like, I want to have relationship with them. And um, how do you do that if you're not kind of engaging in some of these conversations that may or may not um, recognize um, my experiences necessarily as a woman of color? So. When someone says, that's reverse racism, and they're wrong, what do you say? How do you explain why they're wrong? I mean, I think I take Boulong's tactic that if it's some random person, you know, maybe I just don't have the time, but probably I start by saying reverse racism is not a thing. I find the, con- the when people say it, it's so exasperating, I just feel like I, I want to be like, look, look around at this country. Look around at the advantages and disadvantages that white people and people of color have and tell me for real that that's a thing. Mm-hmm. Because it's, it's knuckleheadedness. Yeah. Allie, what, how do you respond to that? I think f- um, if, if I'm trying to be my general optimistic self, um, I think maybe they don't understand the, the language wherein Maybe they saw um, an act of someone, you know, stereotyping a white person or showing discrimination, and their immediate thought was, "Oh, if you're mean to someone of a different race, then it's racism." Mm-hmm. Um, and so, trying to explain that, you know, a single act of 
of discrimination is not the same as um, a, this systemic problem that has been present for you know, hundreds upon hundreds of years in this country that is deeply rooted in everything from our education and our prison systems. And it runs so deep that one small instance is not a comparable uh, thing. Um, and so hopefully explaining that maybe it's just a language, mm -hmm. not knowing the vocabulary in that instance maybe will help <laughs> them is where I would start. Um, if from there they truly still are like, no, reverse racism is real, uh, depending on who they are, I'd either try and whip out some articles to prove them wrong or have more in-depth conversations. Awesome. If I'm at work, I'll invite them to come have a meeting with me. If I am in line at McDonald's, I might be real petty and be like, oh my God, are you excited for Santa Claus to come down your chimney too? <laughs> you know? Because that's just as real. Um, because that's just as real as reverse racism. Um, and if I am feeling particularly inspired by my brilliant husband, I might say racism is not a highway or a byway. It is a one-way street. It goes in one direction. Um, and words mean things, and so if you're looking for a word for what you, what you see as discriminatory, what you see as stereotyping, there are words for that, and racism is not it. Words matter. All right, judges. The lady of the box will play a fanfare while you write the name of the judge who you think <coughs> nailed it. So fresh and so clean, clean. So fresh and so clean, clean. Yay! <laughs> that was awesome. All right, Felix. Okay. I'm going to start with you, Felix. What do you think? All right, first I'm going to start with, sorry, honey. Yeah. I know you're my daughter. Yeah, he's, <laughs> this, is, this is probably not fair because that is my dad. True. <laughs> but if but anything, you don't she's, need to she's, vote learned, she's learned fine. about the values that we as a family have always had, and it's always been openness. Mm. My philosophies and my ideas, listen to the three, I, I agree with what Josh was saying and I agree with what Ali was saying. Uh, I come from an environment also where I work at a major utility and I've actually been told to my face, you know, you're treating me bad because of my race. And when I bring up the fact that I'm also Hispanic, they seem to forget what race is about and then it becomes an equal conversation. And that's the important part. They need to have a fair footing as to what a true conversation one-on-one -on -one is about, and not about race, color, creed. It's about just the normal facts. We're talking about something that you technically have done. We're not bringing up an issue of color. Simple as that. And that's why I agreed, I go with Josh for his comments. You're and with Ali uh, also as well. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you, you can go with Josh, it's fine. <laughs> Constanza. I think it bears mentioning here that I'm at a similar disadvantage because Constanza is my wife. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So this is. But so I don't know what Mike B is to you, but. So, <laughs> believe it or not, that doesn't actually matter in this. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I, I think the basic thing, like in a way, when you're like disagreeing with your boss, right? Like that's like, depending on the relationship you have with your boss, that's where the problem is. So like, I know we spend a lot of time talking about reverse racism, whether that's a thing or not, and it's not, and I agree with all the points being made about that, but in the end, I feel like the real problem is where, you know, like, are you allowed, like, 
disagreeing with your boss, is that putting your job on the line and how problematic that is and like the power dynamic there. And um, because of that, I think Josh pointed that out first, so I will go with him. All right. Mike B, what do you think? Oh God, I'm having panic attacks right here. <laughs> That'll be another problem we can address. <laughs> Coming from a father who was a bigot, a racist, it's learned and you can unlearn it. I felt like I was one of those people. And uh, throwing into the mix of uh, your boss being reverse racism and everything, I work with somebody who is a Trump supporter, fat James, hates transgenders in the military but he's black. So I loathe this person. I, you can't do anything about it, can't talk to him, can't say anything about it, you don't want to risk your job about it, but where do you draw the line? Mm -hmm. So who'd you choose? Josh, by the way. <laughs> All right, thank you so much, judges. Thank you so much to our audience, to our judges, and of course to our panelists, Ali Rivera, Josh Mictum, and Bulong Ramis Hall, who won the loofah of truth that night. This episode was brought to you by Janice, Adam, Ian, and Rachel Lehman, who are some of my first supporters on Patreon. Thank you, Lehmans. And if you think this podcast was worth every penny you paid for it and more, especially the and more part, and you want to be thanked on one of these episodes too, head on over to my Patreon page, patreon.com slash Wolf. Thank you for keeping me going. And thanks to CT Improv in downtown Hartford for putting this show on every third Saturday at 7 p.m. You can check out all their shows and snag your tickets to this one at ctimprov.com. That's S-E-A-T-E-A improv.com. Thank you to our most elegant trumpet player and the lady of the box, Emily Catherine Peterson. Our show is live tweeted by master tweeter Greg Hill at Askin for a Friend. That's Askin, A-S-K-I-N-F-E-R a friend, because of course asking for a friend was taken. Big thanks to our master stager, Joe Barber. Our problems and confessions are beautifully calligraphed in Osaka, Japan by Chris Gladys on our Instagram account at asking for a friend with Kion Wolf. And you can see his other crazy, beautiful calligraphy at mshades01. Our Facebook page is at Asking for a Friend with Kion Wolf. Subscribe to this show. Please share it like crazy and leave some reviews. That helps the algorithm gods keep us from the hellfire of no new listeners. And my friends on this podcast should definitely be heard. All right, now, do you have another take on this episode's problem? Or do you have something going on in your life you could use some advice about? Like I said in the intro, you won't find any professional advice giving here, just words of wisdom from a handful of people who have big hearts and not nearly enough stage fright. But go for it and leave a message. I promise no one will pick up at 860-322-2019. And know that your voice may be used in a podcast or a live show, or your problem may be worked into the show another way. If you're more likely to leave a message if I promise to alter your voice, either higher or lower in pitch, just let me know in your voicemail if you want to be a chipmunk or Johnny Cash. That number again is 860-322-2019. Or we could do this the old-fashioned way. My email is kion at kionwolf.com. All right, thank you for trusting your problems with this podcast. I'm Kion Wolf. I'll see you at CT. Hello.